Acts chapter 15, verse 6. Now the elders and apostles, say apostles and elders. The apostles and elders came together to consider the matter. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by the mouth, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did even to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the disciples, the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they are. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, James answered saying, men and brothers, listen to me. Simon, has declared how God at first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophet agree, just as it is written. After this, somebody say after this. I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which was fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up again so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all of these things. I want you to look back with me at verse 16. Can everybody in here who has a a printed Bible in front of them, either by show of hands or nod, when you get to verse 16, how many of your Bibles have that verse either italicized or indented if i'm talking to you say something do something let people know i'm not crazy okay i want you to know why that verse alone is indented or italicized it is because it is an old testament prophecy that finds itself in the new testament whenever you're reading your new testament and you see words that are indented and italicized as these are it is letting you know it is an old testament scripture being brought into a current context And what James is saying here in Acts, I'm going to preach this in just a moment, but what he's saying is what is happening in this moment is a fulfillment of a prophetic word spoken 700 years earlier. Amos prophesied this. I'm going to show you in Amos 9 that he said this 700 years prior to its fulfillment in Acts 15. What God is doing is a new old thing. It's new because we've never seen it, but it's old because he told us it was coming. Look at somebody tell him he told us it was coming. He told us it was coming. He told us it was coming. And so today I want to tell you, some of you have never seen what God's doing at Social Dallas. And it's new to you because religion kept you from believing something like this could be going on in the earth. But this is a new old thing. It's a prophetic fulfillment and you're living in the middle of it. And I wish somebody would act like you're thankful God let you and your house be a part of what he's doing in our generation. Somebody say yes. Stretch your hands toward me. Pray for me. I'm going to stretch mine out toward you and pray for you. Father, I thank you for these beautiful people. These are your sheep. They're not my sheep. They're the sheep of your pasture. 
I pray today, oh God, that you would be the bishop of their souls and lead them into paths that are green and paths that are full of righteousness. And Father, lead them beside still water. Let them take a drink today. Lord, I thank you that some of them are tired. They've been walking and have become weary. But I'm grateful that they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint. So today I rebuke the spirit of heaviness. I come against the weariness that some of them have been feeling, the wearing out of the saints. That ends today. The joy of the Lord shall be their strength. And we thank you that they leave different than the way they came. Somebody's got a tumor, but it won't go home with them. Somebody's got a sickness, but it won't go home with them. The diagnosis shifts today. I thank you that some things are getting ready to come into alignment with the will of God for your life. And the devil will wish he never messed with you in your house in the first place. So bless these people in Jesus' name. And the family said, Amen. God bless you. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Um, if you are a scriptorian of any kind, then you will know that uh, many have theologically divided the book of Acts into, uh, we call it the Acts of the Apostles, but, but many who study the Word of God and who uh, help us to break down and categorize the Word of God in ways that it becomes understandable to us, they would take the book of Acts and they would tell you that the first 14 chapters of the book of Acts are dedicated to what we call uh, the works of the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Peter. And then you come to the 15th chapter and a massive shift occurs and from there on it becomes the work of the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. Both are apostles, both have an assignment, both are fulfilling what God put them on the earth to do. But both of them are very different men fulfilling very different assignments so that the kingdom can advance. And one of the things that I have become acutely aware of in my ministry is that not everybody in the kingdom of God is called to do the same thing the same way. If you're not careful, you will become uh, an analyzer and you will become a scrutinizer of those who do things differently than you. When in reality, we are never called to compete with each other. We are called to complete each other. You can't have the whole book of Acts without Peter and Paul. Peter was primarily used to speak to the Jewish people. Paul was raised up in the fullness of time and taken to the backside of a desert where God gave him a revelation that equipped him to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And we needed the gospel to come to the Gentiles because most everyone, if not everyone, in this room is not Jewish. We were all born of Gentile descent, but Jesus did not just come for the Jews. Jesus came for the sins of the whole world. I'm thankful today that Jesus is in the business of saving people no matter where they come from, no matter what they've done, no matter what kind of past you might have. And I know some of us don't want nobody near us thinking about our past. And when we ask people, when we ask people to testify, they give us that cute little edited testimony. But if we ran the unedited testimony of our lives up on this screen, we would run to the car and never come back to Social Dallas because all of us have stuff in our past that we're ashamed of. But can we all get thankful today for the blood of Jesus that forgives us of everything that we've done wrong and gives us hope for tomorrow? Can you say amen? 
And so Paul has a very different ministry than that of Peter and Peter's ministry is different than that of Paul and it takes both of them. And when you get people who can appreciate the grace that is on different uh, lives to do things differently, then the kingdom uses the diversity as leverage to continue to advance. the. That's why I don't trust churches that all look the same. You say, well, I go to a white church. I go to a black church. You need some diversity. Y'all not going to help me. You're getting nervous. But you know I'm telling you the truth. We leverage diversity. We leverage. You say, God is colorblind. God is not colorblind. God created color. We need to celebrate. That's our way of saying we don't want to deal with each other. But the reality of it is when God put a rainbow in the sky, it wasn't all red. It wasn't all blue. It wasn't all green. Come on, somebody. How many know God knows how to do this thing? Ain't nobody goes to the ice cream shop and just wants one straight thing. Give me a sundae with all kind of stuff on it. I want some vanilla and some chocolate and some caramel and some, you gotta have some fruit in there somewhere. Come on, somebody. So, so there's this whole thing happening in the book of Acts. And by the time you get to the 15th chapter, it's supernatural because everywhere they're going, there's a revival breaking out. Acts is not about religion. Acts is about taking over. It's not just, I mean, taking over spiritually. I don't mean taking over politically. I don't mean taking over sociologically. I mean taking over the kingdom of God is advancing and everywhere Jesus is being preached, the devil is getting run out of business. You need to understand Jesus did not come to, to, to help us hold hands with all different religions and sing kumbaya and call that unity. That is not unity. Jesus came because every other God is a false God and there's only one way to the real God and it's through his son Jesus. I can't find no help in here but I, I'm not ill. I'm not mad. You don't need to be nasty and bitter. You can be respectful and kind and we ought to love everybody but at the end of the day I'm not bowing my knee and kissing your ring. You will not find salvation in a crystal you can lick on a crystal till your tongue falls off and you will never find eternal life there is only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved that is at the name of Jesus Christ at that name of a knee I better quit because I feel like preaching about Jesus at that name every knee shall bow every tongue shall confess things in heaven things in earth and things up under the earth and every will tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father there is no salvation in any other name. So, so, so we, we can be kind and we should be loving and respectful, but when it comes to spiritual things, I'm not sitting down and finding my way. I found the way. I'm grateful that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Can somebody say amen? Everywhere they go, there's a revival breaking out. The spirit of the Lord is moving. Whole cities are going up into revival. And, and by the time they get to Acts chapter 15, something very peculiar is happening and everybody wants an explanation. So what we call Acts chapter 15 is it, it, it's called the Jerusalem, everybody say Jerusalem Council. Now, these are theological terms. These are things that we don't usually concern ourselves with in our journey. But I felt especially impressed by God to begin to put some language and definition to what I feel like God is doing in this place. And I am preaching a message today at the liberty of the Holy Spirit that I would not typically preach at a place the first time that I came. I would, I would want you to like me and love me. And I would want to preach something that makes you happy and hoop and we all holler. But I'm telling you, this house don't have time to 
waste because the assignment on this place is supposed to displace some principalities and powers in this city and I just believe you are being positioned to run the devil right out of business in the DFW and before you look at me funny you better read your Bible because 1 John chapter 3 verse says, verse 8 says this for this reason was the son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil Jesus did not come to find another religion he did not come to show us a way to have church Jesus came to put the devil out of business do you hear what I'm telling you the business of depression the business of suicide the business of addiction the business of racism the business of come on in here church Jesus came to run that devil out of business and sometimes the church has become complicit with the works of the devil Oh yeah, I said it, but we got to deal with it in the church. I'm telling you right now that the church is supposed to be a place where the hopeless find hope and the sick find healing. This is not a mausoleum of a bunch of perfect people. This is a hospital for a bunch of broke, busted, and disgusted people who were messed up from the chest up and tore up from the floor up and beat up from the feet up. But we came in here and we found God and look what the Lord has done. DFW doesn't need another religious epicenter. It needs an epicenter of revival where the glory of God and the name of Jesus and the power of the gospel can change lives. Say amen. amen. So when we get to, I'm getting there. When we get to Acts chapter 15, we're trying to lay a foundation, but y'all pull it out of a preacher. Come on, somebody. When we get to Acts chapter 15, everybody wants to know what's happening, and here's why. Because all the Jewish people are now mad that the Gentile people are coming to church. And here's what they're saying. They ain't saved. Oh, no, no, this is how we do church too. They ain't say, why ain't they safe? Because they didn't get it like we got it. And you weren't raised like I was raised and you don't do church like I do church and you don't know when to shout and you don't know when to speak in tongues and you don't know what to baptize. You don't know the baptism formula and you don't know how to praise God. You ain't really saved. That's what the Pharisees say. Sister Pharisee, Brother Pharisee, I want to fix something. Not everybody came in the way you and I came in. They weren't raised in church all their life. And you need to go ahead and understand something social. You need to understand that this is a high grace church, which means you're going to have to have a lot of patience and love and long suffering and grace for people who ain't as far as you thought they ought to be already. We just glad they're here. And even... Oh yeah, I'm about to come down off this stage and preach because there are some people who walk up in here and act like they've arrived and the reality of it is all of us are still in the journey. And I just came to thank God that although I'm not what I'm going to be, I know I am sure enough not who I used to be. So when we get to Acts chapter 15, you got these Pharisees and these, and these Sadducees. They're so sad, you see. You got these Pharisees and Sadducees and Jews who are all worked up that the church is becoming full of Gentiles. <laughs> Jesus Christ, help me preach. On a strip pole on Friday and in a Sunday school class on Sunday. Y'all can't help me. Y'all not helping me. Y'all looking at me funny. Y'all looking at me real funny right now, but that's because we got the gospel. It's become a religious band-aid for decent people and not really the power of God under salvation. And we look at folk who are crazy, jacked up, and got issues, and we say, uh, them people, I don't know, they just seem too far gone. The Gentiles in the book of Acts that were getting saved were coming out of the temple of Diana and had been worshiping prostitution and been worshiping a God through lewd sexual acts. And then they come out of that and they hear the gospel and the 
why Paul had to teach them in Corinthians about sexual purity. It wasn't because they were struggling with pornography. It was far beyond that. These people had been exposed to sexual sin all of their life. And Paul wanted you to know that the gospel is not just for decent people. It's for crazy, jacked up, messed up. Okay. Woo! So why are you preaching this to us? Why are you preaching this to us? Because some people are coming. And they're jacked up. This is going to be a house where they get made whole. Now let me preach. Let me teach this. So they come together. Yes. They come together to have a Jerusalem council to discuss the churches becoming full of sinful people who are getting saved. And people are saying they're not really saved and our churches can't turn into this. And so the Bible says, don't miss this. The Bible says elders and apostles. Say that with me. Elders and apostles. Mm -hmm. Elders is the Greek word presbyteros and it literally means the aged one. It's an older person. A person with experience. Elders are people with experience. Apostles are people who, according to the Greek, apostolos, are sent by God on a divine mission. And the divine mission of an apostle is to replicate the kingdom of heaven on earth. Apostles don't care about our feelings. Apostles establish structures so that what's going on in our churches look like what's going on in heaven. I can't find no help in the church. God is not interested in us having just, just, just making ourselves happy. Sometimes apostles have to come in and disrupt and challenge notions and structures so that we become more in line with the purpose and the intent of God for who the ecclesia, the church, is called to be. So when they have this, uh -huh, when they have this Jerusalem council, it's not just elders. It's elders and apostles. It's not just apostles, it's el apostles and elders. Why the distinction? Because one group speak from a place of experience. Elders have a history and they speak from a place of experience. Apostles speak from a prophetic unction of what God is saying for the church to do in the earth. When it comes to Acts chapter 15 and the Jerusalem council, it is interesting to me that when everyone asks what is going on, it is not the elders who answer the question. It is the apostles. Read it. Apostle Peter, Apostle Paul, Apostle James. Only the apostles speak. The elders remain silent. Why? Because when the question is being asked, what is going on in our church? You can't possibly speak about what is happening if what is happening has never happened before. And you are speaking from a place of experience. And what you are experiencing, you don't have a point of reference it's a new thing is what I'm trying to tell you. And when God begins to do a new thing, you have to have an apostolic voice to articulate what God is doing because if not, you become a prisoner to people who speak from the past. This is why some churches don't know how to make the transition and change. They want to go back to auntie's church and grandma's church and mama's church. And I understand that feeling. I understand precious memories, how they linger. But I need to tell you, come on in here, Toto and Dorothy. We're not in Kansas anymore. This is a new day. We're dealing with new devils. We're dealing with new issues and we're fighting new problems. And we got all kind of questions and chaos and confusion that is in our nation. And people are going, what is going on? I don't just need someone to talk to me about how church was 40 years ago I don't just need an experience and a t I need that but also I need an apostolic voice to say don't panic don't quit don't have a nervous breakdown God is up to something 
our generation and although we've never seen these problems before we've never seen the kind of glory that is getting ready to be poured out in our day so apostles and elders were there to to, to contribute to the conversation and so Peter stands up and says I know everyone's wondering what's going on why all the Gentiles why is all this happening how is the church full and Peter gives his explanation as to why and then Barnabas and Paul they stand up and they give witness to what God is doing and everybody is still wondering what is going on we didn't know it was going to be like this and all of a sudden uh, a more seasoned and elderly James walks to the lectern of the Jerusalem counter, uh, council. We know this is not James, the brother of John. That James had already been martyred in Acts 12. This is James the Lesser, called James the Lesser, we believe theologically because he was younger. And yet at this time, he was still an older man. Yet he walks to the pulpit of the Jerusalem council. The room is quiet. It is still. Everyone wants to know what is going on. What are we doing? And James walks to the pulpit and he says, I know what's happening. I know what's going on. We're living in a prophetic fulfillment. What are we living in the prophetic fulfillment of? He said, this is the prophetic fulfillment of what Amos said 700 years ago. We're, we're living in a moment where something that was prophesied 700 years prior is happening right now in our day. Jesus, help me preach today. I want you to know that what we're living in right now is the same exact thing James said happened in Acts 15. It's never stopped. It is the rebuilding of God's favorite house. Look at your neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. Welcome. To God's favorite kind of house. If I were God, I would have chosen another kind of house. Just me. There are all kinds of beautiful buildings in the Old Testament God could have decided to rebuild. You have Moses' tabernacle. Moses' tabernacle was a sight and a wonder in the middle of the wilderness. I mean, they had just come out of Egyptian bondage and God gives them this download of a place to meet with his people out in the wilderness. And it has dimensions. Give me a, give me a ruler, give me a ruler. It ha- Everybody say dimensions. It has dimensions. Thank you, Pastor Rick. It has dimensions. And if you want to know where the dimensions of Moses' tabernacle are, you can go, you can go to, uh, you can, I'm over here pushing them buttons on something that ain't even there. You can go to Exodus chapter 25 and 26 and you will discover that Moses' dimensions, 18 inches to the cubit, which means it was 45 feet long, 15 feet wide, and 15 feet high. The tabernacle was divided into two separate rooms and had a very thick curtain called the veil that separated them. This is all in Exodus 26. Moses' tabernacle has dimensions in Exodus 26. It tells you exactly how long it was exactly how wide it was and exactly how high it was. Mm -hmm. And God says, I don't want to rebuild that. Well, if I'm God, maybe I would have rebuilt Solomon's temple. If you run over to 1 Chronicles chapter chapter 15, you will find that Solomon's temple was 180 feet long, 90 feet wide, and at the lowest point was 50 feet high, but the The point of Solomon's temple, the high 
highest point was 120 cubits tall, which means it was actually 200, listen to this, 207 feet high. All of the dimensions for Moses' tabernacle, all of the dimensions for Solomon's temple are in the Old Testament, watch, and can be replicated. And I came to tell you that that's how some people are building what they're called by God to build. They're building with earthly dimensions. And what we want to do is we want to copy what worked for Moses. Or we want to copy what Solomon did. And we want to take the measurements of what the church down the road did. And we'll replicate in our church what other churches are doing. And it's working and they're growing. So we don't reproduce out of intimacy. We replicate out of copycat. And David doesn't have those kind of dimensions. You will search the entire Old Testament and you will not find a place where David's tent has dimensions. Do you know why? Because David's tent doesn't have earthly dimensions. It has greater dimensions. God is not building a church in this hour that is easily replicated simply by cut and paste. Because we got some challenges going on in today, in today's world, and the church can't afford to simply cut and paste from what's working down the road. We're gonna have to really know God. Amen. Touch your neighbor, tell him intimacy. Amen. Greater dimensions are only released as you enter into the secret place and go deeper in God. I don't know if y'all ready for this or not. I don't know if you're ready for this or not. I, 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 I want to preach to you that there is a re there's actually three reasons. There's more, but let me give you three reasons as to why God liked David's tent more than any other place in the Old Covenant. Number one, David's tent was presence calibrated. Okay, so let me back up and rewind. In the, in the Old Testament, there are three buildings. There's Moses' tabernacle, Solomon's temple, and David's tent. All of them housed the presence of God. But all of them except David's tent made it challenging for the presence to be experienced. Mm. Mo Moses had the ark, but you had to go through all kind of hoops to get to it. Solomon's temple had the ark of the covenant. You know what the ark of the covenant is, but, but he made it difficult for people to get to it. David's tent is literally four poles and a blanket on top and the ark of the covenant up underneath it. And there's something about the presence of God that when you get it, everything connected to you gets blessed. Uh -huh. If you look at David's tent, uh, you will find out that David, when he became king, went to get the Ark of the Covenant and he was going to establish his entire uh, administration on the presence of God. But you know the story. David doesn't put the Ark on his shoulders. David puts it on a, on a Philistine cart and everything was fine while the Ark of God was on the cart of the Philistine until they got to Nacon's threshing floor. And when they hit a bump in the road, your Bible says that the Ark of the Covenant bounced off the back of the cart and Uzzah, who had been living with the Ark of the Covenant in his house, put his hand to it to touch it and he dropped dead and died. 
We don't like to preach on these texts in the church, but I want you to know there's something in the tension of that text that is a truth for us. Revival is not just about what lives. Revival is also about what dies. And God is tired of his church being propped up by Uzzah. And if Uzzah don't get his hand off the glory, God is going to remove the Uzzah spirit out of the church because some people have learned how to prop God up and they've learned how to work God up and they've learned how to pump the people up and we're all convinced it's the glory of God and God said I don't need a man to prop me up I don't need a man to help me out I need a man who will die to himself and get out of the way I must decrease so that he might increase God is killing the Uzzah in the church You know what Uzzah is? Uzzah said, let me prop God up. He's falling. I want you to know God wanted to fall to expose the frailty of the system that was trying to carry him. So the Bible says that Uzzah died. And when Uzzah died, it freaked David out. David said, I don't know what to do. So there was this dude. His name was Obadiah. Obadiah saw him arguing over how to carry the ark and he just comes up and he said, look, while y'all have this talk, while y'all are arguing about all this, park the ark at my house. I don't know who I came to preach to and I might only find three or four of y'all who feel the way I feel about this. There's a whole lot of theological arguing going on in the church. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody got some clap back. Everybody got something to say. We're living in the noisiest generation, the most theologically noisy generation in history. I just want to tell everybody in this room and I want the Father to hear me say it today. While y'all argue over theological points, you can park the ark at the Wallace house if nobody else wants to press I wish I could find me somebody who would say if nobody else in social wants the glory you can park the ark at my house you can put the glory in my living room you can put the glory in my children's bedroom I want it in my bed I want the glory say presence now let me tell you something let me freak you out about Obadiah everybody say Obadiah Obadiah was a Gentile. A Gentile hosted the Ark of the Covenant at his house. And do you know what the history teaches us about Obadiah? That when the Ark of the Covenant came to his house, I'm getting ready to bless myself. If I don't bless nobody else, I'm getting ready to bless myself. The, the, the history teaches us that when the Ark of the Covenant came to Obadiah's house, the blessing of God's presence consisted in reproduction and fruitfulness in their womb. History teaches us that his wife and his eight daughters-in-law bore children twice a month, every month, for three months while the ark was at his house. For 90 days, the ark, some of you sisters are like, oh no, I bind the devil. Oh no, Satan, get behind me. Yeah, because I ain't got no Sarah anointing. How many know I'm telling the truth in here? Yeah, but let me teach you this, that when the Ark of the Covenant came to Obadiah's house, the presence of God was so potent that it touched everything in Obadiah's house and it became multiplied and fruitful. And what I'm trying to tell you is some of you are trying to add and some of you trying to make it happen, but if you go after the presence of God, God will open up what seems to be barren, which seems 
tell them God's getting ready to bless your house. Oh, Lord, I wish you would say it like you believe it. God is getting ready to bless your house, brothers. God is getting ready to bless your house, sisters. Some of you are trying to find out how to break a curse over your family. You don't have to break a curse if Jesus walks in the living room of your house. The Lord will run the devil right out of business. I wish somebody would praise God like your house is about to catch on fire. Like God is about to bless your house with fruitfulness. What if I told you this room is about to become a labor and delivery room? Oh my God, I'm about to preach until the bones begin to come together. God is about to open somebody's womb up in this room. He's about to bless your life. Here's my, here's my encouragement to you. Be people of the presence. I don't care what you get hungry for in life. If it ain't got the presence of God on it, it won't last. Conversely, if you get the presence of God on your life, everything you touch will be. God will bless you. Not only was it a place calibrated around presence, it was a place for all people. This is why God likes the house of David. The tent of David. This is why God likes social DFW. Because it's a place for all people. Yeah. You know, Moses' tabernacle had courts. Moses' tabernacle had courts. Outer court, inner court, holy holies. Solomon's temple had outer court, inner court, holy holies. In fact, Solomon's temple had the Gentile court. Uh-oh, here we go, sisters. We're getting ready to go somewhere right here. It had a women's court. Sisters, that's as far as y'all can go. You come to the women's court. Oh, you can't come no further. Why? Because you're a female. You know what that religious spirit is? Oh, I said it. You know what that religious spirit is? The devil is a liar. There's a religious spirit cropping up in American church that wants to put sisters in a shadow and sell chicken plates all their life. And we tell women, you got to keep silent in the church, except when it's time to sing in the choir, except when it's time to cook in the kitchen, except when it's time to teach the kids. And this, y'all ain't helping me, but I'm going to preach. I'm going home after this one. I'm getting it all out before I get on my plane. I want to tell you right now that the spirit that has squelched the voice of the daughters of God is getting ready to be run out of business because God is raising up Deborah's. The Bible does not say your sons will prophesy. It said your sons and your daughters. Shut up a host. I break the religious bondage off of every daughter in this house in the name of Jesus. If you come up out of a church that told you to shut up and sit down, I'm telling you to rise up and speak up. This is the day of the daughter and God is about to raise you up and give you a voice that shakes the devil out of it. Do y'all have time for me to preach something that is not in my notes? Can I freak you out? If you were in early service, you know this. We stepped out of 5783 into 578. And when we stepped out of 5783 into 5784 in Jerusalem, in Israel right now, they are calling it the day of the daughters. Why? Because 5783 is the year of the patriarchs. How many patriarchs were there? There were three. Namely, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but when you flip over to the the daughters and the matriarchs of Israel, there are not three. There are four. Sarah, Rebecca, 
Rachel and Leah when we crossed over into the new year the leaders of Israel the, the rabbis in Israel calling it the day of the daughter why God is raising up some daughters oh I'm getting ready to blow your mind where are my Esther's at in here where are my Esther's at I need Esther to make some noise I need Esther to make some noise let me tell you what I'm talking about. How many, I hope you are aware of this. Ezra, pardon me, Esther came from the lineage of King Saul. Haman came from the lineage of Agag. Why does that matter? Because earlier in the Bible, Saul was called to kill Agag, but he didn't kill Agag. He let Agag live. Hundreds of years later, Saul's great, 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 great granddaughter rose up at a season and came into the kingdom for a unique time. And who did she have to deal with? She had to deal with the, the offspring of the spirit of the king that Saul, her great, 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 great grandfather didn't deal with. But what Saul would not deal with, God raised his daughter up down the road. I feel like preaching in this room. And Esther said, I've come into the kingdom uh -huh, for such a time as this. And she dealt with the spirit of Haman. I want to tell you that generational attack against your family is not going to work in your generation. You've been called into the kingdom to deal with it. Sit down, please. Y'all are taking my time. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. It was, it was present calibrated, but it was for all people. What is the big deal? The big deal is Moses' tabernacle and Solomon's temple had courts. David had no courts. There was no outer court. When you walked up to David's tavern, David's tent, it was four sticks and a, and a blanket on top and the Ark of the Covenant was underneath. And it's the only time in the Old Testament Gentiles could get close to the Ark of God. What's the point? God said, I'm rebuilding David's tent because I like it when you take those courts away and you make it easy for people to access Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't be difficult. Oh, if they got an attitude, look over at your other neighbor and tell your other neighbor, say, neighbor, don't be difficult. Don't make it hard for people to find Jesus. You ought to make it hard for people to go to hell, but don't make it hard for people to find Jesus. DFW don't need no red tape. They don't need a court system. They need the glory. Okay, let me see if I can illustrate it this way. How many of you here ever been fishing? Come on, don't lie, you'll go to hell. Okay, how many ever been fishing? When we go fishing, we go fishing with a pole. And when you go fishing with a pole, you can put a specific kind of bait on the hook. And depending on what you want to catch, you put the kind of bait on the end of the hook that catches the kind of fish you're looking for. That's how people in the church go fishing today. And so some people want to catch white rich fish. So they put this on the hook and they cast that out and they reel that in. And some people want to win rich black fish. So they put this on the hook and they throw that out there and they reel that in. But when you go, I'm getting people all kind of mad at me right now. And I'm going to tell you one more time, I'm leaving after I preach. I'm going to tell you how Jesus went fishing. Jesus never went fishing with a pole. Jesus went fishing with a net. And when you go fishing with a net, 
You don't bring in whitefish and you don't just go fishing for blackfish and you don't just go fishing for Hispanic fish when you go fishing with Jesus. I feel like preaching. When you go fishing with Jesus, you bring in red and yellow. Oh, black and white. Somebody over in the party room ought to shout with me right now. We are about to go fishing with Jesus. Slap your neighbor, tell him everybody. Come on, don't say everybody, say everybody. Everybody's coming. Everybody's coming to the DFW. Everybody's coming into the kingdom of God. Well, I don't know if I like them. I don't care who you like. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, I feel like preaching in here, should not perish but have everlasting life. Anybody glad that he's the God of the Jew? Calm down. It's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I said, it's going to happen. I'm going to tell you what I'm looking at. I'm looking at a miracle. Do you understand? I'm looking at a miracle. Why? Because all the hell breaking loose in our country, all of the attempts of the devil, I'm, I'm putting you on my prayer list. I'm putting this house, I, I pray for Pastor Robert and Pastor Taylor already, but I'm putting this house on my prayer list because you are a city that is set up on a hill. The earth is looking for answers to all of the chaos, the confusion, the hate, the malice, the division, and they can't find it in, where's my help in here? They can't find it in Washington, D.C. Our help is not coming from the left. Our help is not coming from the right. My help is coming from a man who was not voted in. He was not voted in. He was not appointed in. Nobody elected him king. He was born. King of kings. Born. Lord of lords. Born. King of heaven. Born. King of earth. Born. King of the Jew. Born. King of the Gentile. Somebody say yeah! If we don't get this mess down about people, we won't have the presence of God. Let me tell you why. Sit with me. I'm almost done. I'm working it out. I'm working it out. I didn't come ready to preach this message, but it's on me now. If you don't get the people thing, you won't get the Prince of Peace. There are only two things in the whole Bible God ever went looking for. Only two. A worshiper and a lost person. The Bible said in John chapter, I like it when people say, I don't think that's right. I got Bible, hold on. Sister Yay Yay. Brother Flip Flop, I'm coming. The Father, the Father seeks those who will worship in spirit and in truth and the father came to seek and to 
saved that which was lost. Which tells me something. If you don't have worshipers and lost people in your church, you are not the kind of church God's looking for. Well, we're just trying to get all of our favorite kind of people and they all look like us and dress like us and they all act like us. God said, I want, some, I want some different kind of folk in there. I want all kind of people. I want people who sit there and look at you like a knot on a log and I want people who blow shofars and beat tambourines. Now, don't come in here blowing no shofar and beat no tambourine. But back in my church where I come from, we got all kind of people. We, got, we don't have old people. We have seasoned people. We got young generation. You know, the Holy Ghost, the move of God is not a unit generational movement. It ain't an old church and a young church, a contemporary church or a, a progressive church or a traditional church. It's everybody coming together. The last thing is not only was it the place where the presence of God calibrated everything happening, not only was it a place for all people, but it was a place of praise. I'm ending with this. Don't ever lose your praise. Don't ever let the long religious look of a Pharisee make you second guess yourself while you're lifting your hands and saying hallelujah and shouting unto God. Well, we need to be just much more polished. No, you need to be radical. Have you seen them people over at the stadium over there today? They paid hundreds of dollars to get in there and hollering, drinking, going crazy, spitting and fighting and going crazy, acting a fool when they score a touchdown. Go Cowboys. And then you come to church and people say, you know, we ought to tone it down. We don't want to be emotional. I'm so sick. Let me get this off my chest. I don't know if I ever get to come back. I need to say something while I'm here. I'm sick of these people falsely accusing us of emotionalism. Every other group of people on this planet have been given the liberty to be emotional. And we come to church and cry and shout and lift our hands. And folk pass notes and get on Twitter and talk about our past. And get on Facebook and send us anonymous messages as if we care one flip about what they think about us. You were not there sit your hips down and stop talking about me when I praise the Lord you were not there the night he brought me out you cannot possibly understand the level of gratitude in my heart I know you don't understand my hallelujah but you don't understand the valley the valley the valley the valley that he brought me out of oh my god I was in hell's kitchen and everything was on fire and he brought me out somebody so let me give you praise I'm done with this seven words for praise in your Bible you'll have to pardon me because this message was so fresh I, I can't even find in my note, I didn't have time to write this message out, but I know there are seven words of praise. When you see the word of praise in your Bible, it can mean one of seven different words. I'm going to do my best here. Here we go. By memory, help me, Holy Ghost. One word for praise is Barak. That means to bow. One word for praise is Tauda, which is the uplifted hand. One word for praise is Tehillah which means to sing a new song. One word for praise is Shabbat, 
which means to shout unto God with the voice of triumph. One word for praise is tauda. Pull it up, Rick, and bring it up here. Uh-huh. The Lord's going to anoint you to help the preacher preach the message today. Uh-huh. One word for praise is hallel. Uh-huh. How many ever said, thank you, sir? Oh, yeah. How many know you got the right assistant when he knows where you're going before you get there? Uh-huh. One word for praise is yada, which means to extend the hand in a manner of victory. One word for praise is tauda. One is to zamar, which means to play on the instruments and to make a noise of praise. Come on in here, stringed instruments. Put it in the same key and somebody do something for the glory of God. Yeah, I feel like preaching now. Yes, so when you open your Bible and it says, praise ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord. When it says, praise him in the sanctuary, praise him in the gilly, Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him, all ye heavens, and praise him, all ye earth. It don't mean sit there and give him an applause. It means to lift your hand. It means to shout with the voice of triumph. It means to bow before him and give him glory. It means to pluck the instrument. And the last word for praise is the Hebrew word hallel. It's where we get our word hallelujah. And hallel means I don't care what you think about me. God is worthy of all my praise. Somebody give him your highest praise. Somebody praise him like you don't care what your neighbor's going to talk about. Somebody act like you know he's been good to you. Let everything that has breath praise. 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 Praise him louder than you did when you lived for the devil. Praise him higher than you did when you lived for the devil. Somebody give him praise. Listen, I'm through, stay standing. I'm through, stay standing. God, let me give you some facts here. Let me give you, ooh, glory. Hey. Watch this, watch this. David became a man of praise. So much so that David, he took out of his own treasury. Listen to this. When David became king and he built the tent of David, he hired 4,000 full-time musicians. He hired 4,000 gatekeepers. Y'all know what a gatekeeper is? That person who's setting the atmosphere when you walk in? If you come in and you look grumpy, they put some happy on you. Because a gatekeeper don't let people come in who, oh, come on, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't come in grumpy. You'll be weak when you leave. Come in with joy. And gatekeepers set the atmosphere. If you're a deacon, a usher, a gatekeeper in this house, I deputize you in the name of Jesus to set the atmosphere. Don't you let no hateful, mean, nasty spirit come up in here and set up camp. You run that devil out with kindness and love and grace and God. So he hired 4,000 musicians, 4,000 gatekeepers, watch family, 288 full-time singers. 
If every staff member was paid a meager $30,000 a year, David spent roughly $255 million a year for 33 years just to pay the musicians, the singers, and the administration to keep the worship pure and powerful. That means over his tenure as king for 33 years, he invested $8.4 billion of worship from his own treasury. And we got people arguing over choir robes. Slap your neighbor, tell them sing, you better sing. You better sing, you better praise, you better shout, you better weep, you better bow, you better lift your hands, clap your hands, shout unto God, Shabbat, Kalel, spin, do something. Don't ever come to church and be a consumer. Don't just come for the show. The king is on the throne. Somebody praise the Lord. I'm done. I'm in trouble. Pastor Robert had to come back and clean all this up. Why did I bring these? I brought these as a prophetic act. Somebody, Clinton, and somebody went and got these. I'm grateful for the last minute help. The Home Depot. There are people. See, you have a hard time understanding that this is not normal. You're a part of the miracle, as Pastor Taylor said earlier. And so you just come in on Sunday and you just think, this is what church is like. This is not what church is like. I preach all over this nation. It ain't like this. I'm not glorifying you I'm identifying he is working among you. Some people are going to come in here and they're going to put their measuring stick on you. And they're going to say, build with our dimensions. Build like we would build. Man, your pastor called me last night. I was at the playground with my two babies. It sounded like a zoo. He's like, man, where are you at, Bishop? I'm like, the park. He's like, what is going on? I said, all these kids are screaming. And I said, if you hear kids screaming, they're okay. He said, whatever you do tomorrow, be yourself and let the Holy Ghost have his way. Listen to me. He said, we're hungry for the presence of God. And some people would come in here and they would say, oh, Robert Madu." Apostle Robert Madu, if you would just build with our dimensions, you could do three or four services, run them all through, make it all happen in an hour, take all their money, do whatever, just build a big old thing, but no oil. And I don't know if you noticed, but it's already a big old thing. I mean, y'all straight packing out the ghillie three times, two times on a Sunday. What in the world is going on? This was a hootenanny last night and this morning it's holy ground. Are you hearing me? So let us put our, let us put our measuring stick on you, 
social dialers, let us measure you out so we can measure you. And God says, what I'm going to do as social is not earthly dimensions. In fact, I hear the Holy Ghost, thank you, Father. I hear the Holy Ghost saying, your entire definition of success is getting ready to change. We're all about metrics now. And we're missing miracles. And God is, I, I would not preach this message just anywhere. But this house has a unique destiny and future. And I feel like the Lord is saying, you won't find earthly dimensions that can help you understand what God is doing here and what he's going to do. This is greater dimensions. It's not this way. You're building this way. You got Bible for that? Sure, I do. Zechariah. God is building a city without walls. Can't be measured like it used to be measured. What are you going to do when the greatest miracles that happen happen at jobs and in the marketplace and they start spreading the word? Something's going on over social. All their people are up under the anointing and everywhere they go, there's this effervescence of the kingdom and the glory and lives that are hopeless are getting filled with hope and bodies that are wrecked with pain are getting healed and, and marriages that are falling apart are getting back together and children that are on drugs and the, they look like the devil had them, but they're turning around. What's going on? We're just not going to be measured by earthly dimensions anymore. That don't mean we don't do things with excellence. It don't mean this house is so full of excellence. But there is an oil here. And the Holy Spirit said, guard the oil. Because it's what's changing the lives. And when you get in a house that doesn't have any boundaries, you become people that don't have boundaries. So someone will come up to you. Anybody in here got a past? Oh, everybody's like, I don't know if I want to raise my hand. Anybody in here used to be hooked on drugs? Okay. So when they start looking at you. Oh, oh yeah, come on. <laughs> when they start looking at you and they say, yeah, she, she, she don't quite measure up. He, he don't quite measure up. He, he got that in his closet. Yeah. He's limited in what he can be for God because of his past. Today, I break every label and every lie and every assignment of shame and reproach the enemy has tried to put on your life. Jesus came to set you free and he came to shame the devil and make him out to be a liar. I wish somebody would lift their voice and begin to praise God that although you're not what you're going to be, you are not who you used to be. Last one. This is the one. People start putting labels on you. Mm, single parent mama. Got them babies in that house, you know. You're not going to be able to do much for the kingdom of God. And I came to tell you, you're raising 
world changers. We get these labels and we put these, we put these limits and these measurements on folk. And God today, I feel this in my heart and I'm taking more liberty than I usually would, but he's ripping a lid off. That glass ceiling you've been hitting is getting ready to be sh shattered. He's not done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. There's so much more to the story. He's not done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. I feel that getting in here. He's not done with you yet. There's so much more. He's not done with. I need you to prophesy. I can't get to everybody, but tell two or three people. He's not done with you yet. I need you to tell some people right next to you. Come on. As you tell them, I'm believing that lid is getting ready to be shattered. Come on, tell them. There's so much more. Put it in the atmosphere. If you're going to sing it, sing it. Say, he's not done with me yet. Say, there's so much more to the story. Sing it, you're not. 
neighbor's hand. He's not done with you yet. Just let him feel that miracle. Squeeze it gently. You're not done? Squeeze life into that life. Come on. Just squeeze that hand. Let them know they're not alone. There's so much more to the story. You're not done. Now I want you to take the next 60 seconds and pray for the person whose hand you're holding. That every lid, every label, every limit would be shattered today. And they would step into the kind of identity that brings this whole house to another level of everything God called it to be. It's going to happen for you corporately and it's going to happen for you individually. Come on, pray for them. Father, I, I refuse to come into agreement with the lesser version of what you've called them to be. I thank you that every label, every lie, every lid over their life is broken now by the power of the grace of God and the mercy of Jesus. I declare to every enemy who has set itself against them, today you are moved out of their way. Satan the Lord rebuke you in the name of Jesus I pray the power of God that saved them would be the power of God that delivers them into the very purpose which you have called them to manifest in the earth How? I break every curse every lie every generational thing that the enemy has spoken over their life the blood is working on your behalf dear daughter the blood is working on your behalf son of God the spirit of the Lord is bringing you out of the land of excuses and he's bringing you into the place of breakthrough you will begin to manifest your destiny manifest your purpose manifest your anointing I cancel every assignment against you and I plead the blood over your future somebody begin to bless your neighbor somebody begin to speak blessing over your neighbor right now shake their hand while you pray for them I want them to know they're coming into abundance they're coming into a place of blessing and increase in the mighty in the mighty name of Jesus I break impotence off of your spirit I break weakness off of your spirit you will be strong in the Lord in the power of his might in Jesus name now throw those hands up and sing one more time he's not done with me yet Every head bowed, every eye closed from the back to the left and the, and the party room overflow wherever you are. Everybody listening to me, everybody online, everybody right now, wherever you're watching from, here's what I want to tell you. Today is a new day for some people. You've been coming to church and that is wonderful, but God didn't send his son just so we could come to church. God sent his son so that we could exit the kingdom of darkness and get born again into the kingdom of light. Jesus did not come to put a religious band-aid on your mess. He came to deliver you from the old man and the old woman and to make you a new creation. I wish I had a witness in the church this morning. If you're in this room, we got to go in a few minutes, but the most important thing I can do is open an altar for someone who needs to give their life to Christ. 
I'm not asking you if you've ever been to church. I'm not asking you if you've ever been saved or never been saved. I'm asking you if you know in your heart you need to get right with God. I don't care what you did last night, who you slept with, what you snorted on Friday, it don't make no difference. Jesus came to save everything lost in this room right now. You will not leave lost if you will surrender your life to him. He will make you a new creation and put a new heart. I felt that. Put a new heart down on the inside of you. Can I have one witness in this room? If you know he makes all things new. Head bowed, eyes closed. Pastor Kevin, you're talking to me. I need to come out of darkness into his light. If I'm talking to you, lift your hand on three. Say, pray for me, Bishop. I need to give my heart to Jesus. One, two, three. Hands are up. Hands are up all over this room. If your hand is up or it should be, and you want to step out of darkness into light, out of death, into life, out of the curse, into the blessing, if you want to belong to God and you want, him to, you want to know he's your Savior, if your hand is up in the air or it should be, step out of your seat and come meet me right here. Hurry. Come meet me right now. I'm leaving different than I came, Bishop. I've got to find Jesus today. I need him to rescue me today. Come on, sweetheart. Come on. And I wish the rest of Social Dallas would join the angels in heaven and give God some praise. Come on, heaven's going crazy and we're going to go with it. Hallelujah! Oh. They're still coming. They're still coming. They're still coming. Some of them just made their mind up. The enemy was trying to talk them out of a different kind of future. But that lie broke off you right then. Come on, girlfriend. Come on, bro. Come on out your seat and give it all to him today. You say, Pastor, what do I? I'm giving some stuff up. If you saw what you were getting ready to gain, you would run from that mess you're living in. Come on. At the cross. At the cross. Where I first saw all the light And the burden of my heart rolled away It was there by faith I received my sight And now I am happy all the day Stretch your hands toward the altar family, would you right now? I want them to know they're loved. I want them to know this is not a house of judgment, it's a house of mercy. Everybody that came to the altar, we're gonna have some precious leaders come and pray with you in just a moment. But I want every one of you, while you, you can bow your head and close your eyes, but I want you to hear me in your heart. Coming to this altar is not the finish line. It is the starting block. Coming to this altar is not the finish line, it is the launching pad. You don't get saved and walk away from Jesus because he made you feel better. You give him your life and follow him all the days of your future. I'm not promising you it's always going to be sunshine. There will be some rain. There will be some wind. I'm just telling you, even though it may not always get easier, with Jesus it will always get better. And I want us to pray for every one of you who came to the altar today. I'm not going to give you a prayer to repeat, but I'm going to give you a maybe just just a, 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 a trajectory to pray in. If I were coming to this altar to give my life to Christ and I wanted him to make me new, I'd say, I'd say it like this, Lord, forgive me of all my sin. I'm a sinner. I need you to help me today. I confess that I have fallen short. I, I confess I've made a mess. I confess that I'm living this cycle and I need you to save me from myself 
Save me from my sin. Save me from the life I've created and let me live in you, Jesus. Be the Lord of my life, not just my Savior from my sin, but the Lord of my life. I give you my future. I give you my heart. Come into my heart and rescue and save me, Lord. Make me new today. I want you to take 30 seconds, church, and stretch your hands toward them and pray for them like you wish somebody would have prayed for you the day you gave your life to Jesus. Lord, give them strength. Let prayer leaders come and help me right now. Just reach over and lay your hand on the person's shoulder next to you in this altar. I want everybody to know you're not alone. Come on. Father, bless and save every person that came for salvation. The questions, the confusion, the chaos, the fears, Lord, even the bad theology some of us brought to the altar, fix it all, straighten it all out. But thank you today, in spite of all the mess, you are on the throne and you are saving to the uttermost right now. Father, I thank you that every religious spirit is broken off of their mind. May they be delivered from religion so that they may know the power of your cross and the power of the gospel. I thank you that this room will be a place where the presence of God abides, where all people can come and where praise will be released and lifted freely at all times. This is a rebuilding project, God. This is the house of David. And it's your favorite kind of house. I pray for Pastor Robert and Taylor Madhu now, God, in the future of Social Dallas. I thank you for land and buildings. I thank you for opening doors that no man can shut. I thank you for supernatural acquisition. It's what I'm hearing in my heart. I'm gonna pray it like I hear it. Supernatural land acquisition. In the name of Jesus, the favor of God to come on this place and the open door of God hit this house. It's going to leave some of you with your mouth dropped open at what God is getting ready to do. Father, I thank you. You're speaking to people in this city who have resources even now. They don't even go to this church, but your, their heart is in the hand of the Lord. And I declare and decree that you are navigating the stream of their heart and it will lead into the provision of your goodness for this place. I decree over this house, lack shall not be your problem. I declare over this place, lack shall not be your problem. And the Lord is going to bring you into a land and you've been a nomadic people, but God said, I'm going to give you a land that belongs to you. It will be an inheritance, says the Spirit of grace. And God is going to make it happen and no man will get the glory for it. It will be God. I thank you for it, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and worship Him. God, I thank you that this is the reason why you're giving it because the altars will remain full in this place. Lives will continually be changed in this house. We will never take for granted full altars. We will always bless you for what you've done and what you're doing. Now, God, I seal every, everything that you've done and every life that you've touched and every person that you've blessed. I seal the word in the hearts. And I pray in Jesus' name that you will continue to let this church manifest the kingdom of God in ways that put the devil out of business. In the mighty name of Jesus. Find your best praise, the best one you've given him all day long and start giving it to him right now. Come on.